Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, covering Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox, on the web at mainboats.com. This is Free Speech Radio News. Free Speech Radio News is the only daily half-hour progressive radio newscast in the U.S. It's owned and managed by news reporters. Free Speech Radio News is an independent broadcast news organization with over 200 journalists who report from 40 states within the U.S. and 57 countries from around the world. You can hear Free Speech Radio News weekday afternoons at 4.30 p.m. right after Jim Hightower commentaries, only on Community Radio WERU-FM. Listener support and volunteer power are the foundation of Community Radio. To donate or volunteer at WERU, please call 469-6600 or email at info at WERU.org or pledge online at WERU.org. Thank you. The time is 9.59 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. Wabanaki Windows with your host Donna Loring is up next. Welcome to Webinaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Webinaki Windows is a monthly show featuring Webinaki perspectives, topics, and opinions, as well as interviews with Native artists, writers, and people of interest. I must apologize to you. We had scheduled uh, John Bear Mitchell for storytelling uh, this hour. However, due to some unforeseen circumstances, uh, he was unable uh, to make the show. So we've decided to discuss uh, a topic that uh, both uh, that we're all familiar with, and uh, it's the uh, the native mascot issue. And uh, my my co-host uh, Maria Gerard, the director of the, the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center, is here with me. And later, uh, in a few minutes, uh, James Francis uh, will also be online uh, to discuss this issue. Uh, James is the uh, uh, Penobscot Nation uh, historian. Um, so we'll start that, and uh, and is and you can feel free to call uh, with any comments or questions you might have on the uh, mascot uh, topic. And uh, the number we have for you to call in is eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight so, we'll begin our topic uh, on mascots. Um, we know that it's a very uh, hot topic in, in some schools. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask Maria to start giving me her thoughts on the mascot issue. Maria. Yeah, thanks, Donna. Thanks for having me here um, again. And I hope we have some listeners on such a beautiful day. <laughs> um, my uh, interest in the mascot issue uh, probably surfaced kind of late in my life. It was only about 2004, 2005. And during that time, um, I was on the uh, cultural um, committee 
which was an advisory committee for the Cultural and Historic Preservation Department. And in 2004 is when uh, Old Town school administrators um, contacted the, um, the Penobscot tribe and wanted to have uh, a discussion about the mascot issue. And I understand that prior to 2004, that there had been some back and forth between uh, the two communities. Of course, Old Town is the community right next to Indian Island, and their mascot was the Old Town Indian. But in 2004, as I became involved in the discussion, uh, Old Town school administrators had contacted the Penobscot tribe and wanted to hear and learn more from the tribal citizens, their perspectives about the mascot that they had. And at that point in time, it was pretty much a hidden mascot. It was, um, you know, they didn't celebrate it like they had in the old days. They, you know, they used to have, you know, the cheerleaders wearing the moccasins and people with headdresses and and all of that. But at that point in 2004, it was pretty much hidden. Um, they didn't have any school logos that had the mascot on it or anything of that sort. So um, Old Town School Administrators came to a Penobscot Tribal Council meeting uh, to hear tribal citizens talk about that. And it was, um, I think, very enlightening for them. And then um, it uh, resulted in um, the Old Town School Board hosting a, a similar meeting to hear feedback about the mascot issue. Yeah, at that, uh, at that meeting, were there any uh, Native people who thought that the mascot was okay? At the tribal council meeting? Yes, actually, there was one person who said that um, she thought that, that it was okay. She was a cheerleader at the time, back in the, uh, probably in the 50s. And uh, she said she loved, you know, dressing up and wearing the moccasins and Indian dancing, and she didn't see anything wrong with it. So there was one person who, who felt that way at the, yeah. at the council well, meeting. J- just one? That, what just, was it? Just one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have James <laughs> Francis on the line. James? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How's the weather out your way? Um, I'm down in Bar Harbor. Wow, nice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's beautiful down here. Yeah, so you hear our, our topic is the mascot issue? Uh, yes, it's um, been a, a very uh, common issue here uh, lately. I spoke on a symposium on Saturday dealing with um, the same issue. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think that's one of the reasons we chose the topic uh, today. Uh, we saw your uh, handsome face on uh, Bangor <laughs> <laughs> <Bangor> Daily. <laughs> you must have me confused with somebody else. <laughs> well, maybe so. I, uh, I think there were, what, five of you guys? Yeah, uh, John Diefenbacher Kral and you and Wayne Newell. Yeah, it was it was really unfortunate that uh, all us men were shown when um, what happened on Saturday. Uh, the most riveting stories came from uh, Tanya Francis and um, Michelle Bernard, two women. Um, but here, you know, all these men's faces are in the newspaper. Don't think that didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that, <laughs> that earlier. <laughs> uh, so tell us about uh, that riveting testimony. Well, what was uh, really interesting in what uh, Tanya Francis did was um, she uh, looked at not only the mascot issue and how it kind of dehumanizes, but she has been studying how um, it affects Native students, socio- and also uh, psychological damage that it may do to a student, a Native student, um, 
in institutions that have these um, mascots. And Michelle Bernard, she had gone to um, Lewiston High School uh, for her first two years of high school and then got transferred. Her parents moved to the Sanford area where she um, went to that high school that has the Redskins for a mascot. And she's a Ho-Chunk from out in uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota. And to fit in, because she had such a hard time at the other high school, she decided that she would become the mascot. And so for two years, she dressed up as a mascot. And it wasn't until later that it really started to affect her and her identity as a Native person that uh, she portrayed herself as what she called this cartoon. Wow. Yeah, so um, it was a very um, touching and riveting um, presentation on, on the behalf of those two women. In, uh, in reading the article, I noticed that the, uh, a couple of the schools, maybe most of them in, in the uh, southern area, like Sanford, there was no representation from that school. Um, well, no, not, not from any administrator in that school. However, there was a journalist who went to high school there, and this journalist, um, I believe his last name was um, Wormwood, he has been um, approaching the school for many years to have um, the Redskins removed. And as a, an alumnus of the school, he felt that he um, you know, could get that ball rolling. Um, but the... Uh, the principal there has really dug his heels in and um, doesn't want to be the one responsible for that change. However, he did um, send a letter which um, Ed Rice had read and uh, stated that the civil rights team at Sanford High School is looking at the possibility of um, changing it. So they're going through an education process currently. Right. Well, that's good news. It is good news. And I see that uh, there was one principal that came from Nokomis, Mary Netto. Yeah, Mary Netto's a very interesting uh, person. She, she went to Old Town under the Indians regime there. Oh, yeah. And then went to Hudson hmm. when it was called the Braves. And um, well, she went to junior high in Old Town under the Braves and then high school under in Indians, Hudson College under the Braves. And now she's principal of uh, Nokomis High School, which is the Warriors. Hmm. And we had a, a long, lengthy discussion, not only about uh, the Warriors, but the name of the high school itself, uh, which in our language means, uh, you know, my grandmother. Hmm. And, um, and just kind of the genesis of that name and how the high school kind of decided to use that name. And from, from what she had said, it was because it's adjacent to uh, Nokomis Pond, and so when they built this high school a few decades ago, that's uh, the name they went with. Interesting. Yeah, I, and, and you know, we were talking earlier, uh, Maria and I, about uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, the names aren't really that, you know, we don't think the names are offensive. Uh, you know, we use these, uh, these names to, for, uh, to honor the Native people. And uh, <laughs> what was your response, Maria? <laughs> oh, I just think it's kind of humorous because I, I know, James, you were at the Old Town uh, School Board hearing when Old Town was considering changing its name. And um, 
you know, two people would get up uh, against the mascot and then two people would get up and they'd be in favor of the mascot and they'd talk about how, you know, it's meant to honor us, but we're saying, but it's not honorable, we're not honored. And it's almost like having it shoved down your throat, you know, like we're, we're honoring you, we're trying to honor you, and we're saying, no, no, we don't want it. <laughs> yeah, and Jim Dill was there, who was the, the chairperson of the Old Town School Department. I believe he still is. When they, when they did change the name, he spoke on the panel also. And um, I was at that meeting, and uh, I had the honor of uh, being the last person heard um, by the school council. Um, and it's, um, the media kind of flocked to me after the unanimous vote by the Old Town School Board to change it. And um, I just simply said, you know, for years they have been saying that they were trying to honor us. Um, but that evening was the first time they actually did just that was honor us by removing it. Absolutely. I was just thinking the same thing, and we should really give kudos to those people, those schools that have changed it, you know, Old Town and Husson College. They've, oh, they've yes, definitely done an honorable dozens, thing. There were dozens and dozens of schools who have removed those names. You think and they was, survived. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and they're, they're, they're Old Town flourishing with their new uh, mascot, the Coyotes. So it isn't something that is, um, you know, hard, hard to do. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times it comes down to money mm -hmm. is what it's coming down to. It's doesn't money. it always, though? Yeah, it's those alumnus that don't want to, um, you know, see a change and is holding that dollar bill in front of the school. Wow, do you want funding or not? Yeah, you know, it just kind of reminds me, uh, in 2005, uh, Donald Soctoma put in a bill uh, t for the it's called the offensive names bill, and uh, that bill was uh, the purpose of it was to change the word uh, we call it the S word uh, squaw the places that are called squaw you know on the public maps in public streets to take to remove that name, and there was a huge uh, fight over that, and I remember during that fight there was a. Uh, a, a news person that, that came up uh, and asked me about the mascot issue. And uh, in, in my response to him was, well, you know, the schools are, are, are places of, of education, and it seems to me that if, if, in fact, we were to legislate that change to the schools, uh, we'd probably get uh, a really negative backlash, and it might hurt our cause uh, you know, and I think that we'd get a better response if we tried uh, uh, educating, uh, you know, the principals and the and the teachers and the students. And I guess that approach has worked. But uh, I would not totally be against at this point because we've tried, uh, you know, the educational process. I would not be against uh, legislating that change now. Just my own personal thought on that. Uh, yeah, I do. I think the time the time is right um, to you know move forward on something like that. But but also you know through this education process, I, th I think we need to let it kind of marinate a little bit and let those schools do the right thing without involving you know Big Brother to you know because I think like you said, it may come to the point where people are more offended because 
it's got to be a law than just doing it on their own accord. That's true. I mean, but but where do you draw that line? I mean, when do you actually say, okay, you've had enough time to marinate in this issue, mm. you know, and, and we're not getting any sort of uh, results on it? Well, I think with um, LD-291 happening, and, and, and it has been taking place in, in the schools for how many years now? Five, six since that law has been put into place, that, of course, is the main Indian history and culture law and um, requires schools in Maine, kindergarten through grade 12, to teach about Maine Indian history and culture. And um, I'm almost wondering if the students themselves will at some point uh, through their education uh, prior to getting to high school realize once they get into high school um, the problem with the names. So... Maybe we can count on some of the uh, high school students instituting some changes in their schools that way. Did you get that sense at the uh, at the workshop on Saturday that uh, you know that that students would would sort of be pushing for a change? Or well, no, I, I did get the sense from especially Mary Netto that um, she is more than willing to um, you know look at um, educating her student body to the, the names and um, looking at the possibilities. She, she also says she doesn't have the power to change, you know, any sort of name, that it, it really comes through the school board, you know, of these eight communities that make up, you know, Nokomis High School. And, you know, the, the whole warrior name is, is one of those names that, unless there's really a symbol attached to it, it's, you know, is it a warrior, is that distinct mm. distinctly Indian and that's kind of the point she was bringing up and I said well with the name Nokomis you know that that does you know put it in in the light of Native Americans a little more you know so um, other schools have that who are the warriors have decided to remove any Indian imagery and um, you know go with another symbol of what a warrior may be. Now I was thinking about that too I you know, there are certain, lat, like, warrior and braves and stuff like that. And and, uh, and you wonder, you know, if y y you wonder sort of what what does that mean, and then you see the logo, and it's usually, you know, a, a headdress or a feather or whatever, so that, you know, that, that goes with it too, I guess. And, and that sort of brings me to, uh, reminds me of Ed Rice and his... his uh, years of, of fighting to get the Cleveland Indians to change that Chief Wahoo logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and he spoke on this uh, the other day about the Chief Wahoo issue, and he said, you know, um, that it's the Chief Wahoo that's the problem. You know, that the, the term Indian, he himself personally isn't so offended with if they would actually, you know, have a big statue of Sock Alexis and some history there in the park, and I guess there is a plaque there, but um, kind of got rid of Wahoo and had something a little more respectable, he could, you know, sleep a lot better at night with that. So, so, so just by way of um, history on the Cleveland Indians, and you mentioned Sock Alexis, um, we probably should clarify for those listening that there's some debate as to how the Cleveland Indians were named, correct? Yes. 
So some people uh, assert that it's in honor of Louis Sock Alexis, who was a Penobscot Indian who played for them uh, was it early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually played, he, he was the uh, first one to break the color barrier on mm-hmm. a professional team 50 years before uh, Robinson. And I'm sure Ed Rice uh, has said that. I hear him say that many times. Right. Um, but, uh, I- and the reasoning why they think that it was uh, named, the team was named after uh, Louis Sock Alexis is because I, I believe they changed that name. I think it was like the Cleveland Spiders or... Mm-hmm. Uh, and they changed it to a, a couple years after uh, Louis' death. But uh, if you really think about it, think about how many baseball teams um, are named after after people. I mean, you hear you see the Baltimore Orioles or the Boston Red Sox, mm-hmm. um, and, and the, the, there's the Yankees. But you know, it's not it's not a, a race of it's not a race. You know, like in a race existing yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, it can it can be fairly. I mean, there's there's no smoking gun, so to speak. That mm-hmm. uh, they named him. Uh, they named that uh, team after Louis. But uh, certainly, you know, when 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 Louis played for them, they referred to the Cleveland teams as as uh, you know the Indians. And so I I believe that. Uh, they did, in fact, name that team after uh, Louis Sock Alexis, and and the, I believe that the uh, tribe has had visitors from the Cleveland club. I may be wrong on that, but I I'm not sure. It, it seems so, but maybe. Uh, I don't know, James. What do you know? I I don't know. I don't know. But I what? just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> the historian doesn't know. Come on. I, I wanted I wanted to make a point everything. about about these names, and you know, when we look at just in general, uh, what a mascot is there to do. You know, one it's there to inspire team spirit, but also there's there's a almost um, animal savage type of you know you you want the tigers, you want something strong, something powerful. You know something blood bloodthirsty, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, to represent you know your team because because of that strong wildness. And you know, for me, you know the one that um, I have the most difficulty with is um, the Redskins, and you know yes. with Cassett High School and um, you know Sanford High School, the last two holdouts on on that name. And I was asked several years ago, like the day before. Um, a presentation by the civil rights team at Sanford High School to talk about the mascot issue. But they said, you can't talk about the mascot issue. So the civil rights team asked me to come in and give a presentation that doesn't look like the mascot issue, but it ended up becoming that. And I did this presentation called Native Americans Imagined, and I looked at the use of Native American imagery in products like Land O'Lakes butter or Indian motorcycles on cigar boxes historically. And as I got towards the end, I started talking about the mascot. And the principal got up and left as he, when he figured out what I was doing. Hmm. And a student got up after my presentation and asked me, so why do you want us to get rid of our mascot, the Redskins? And I said, I've never asked you to get rid of your mascot, the Redskins, but if you're okay with understanding the definition of Redskins 
and celebrating that, that's up to you. If you can sleep at night knowing that a redskin is a scalp taken from an Indian, turned in from money, if you're okay with that and to celebrate that, that's your business. Good and that's point. all I said. Good point. So this whole, you know, idea of, you know, the Redskins and, you know, we have the right to have that name and freedom, freedom of speech is, is quite offensive. You know, you don't have to look beyond the comment section in the Bangor Daily News to realize that racism is pretty rampant. And if you look at the Scout Proclamation of 1755, Penobscot people mm-hmm. had a price on our head. So when you talk about that term, Redskin, it's personal. It's very personal to Penobscot people. And, and it wasn't just men, which may be condoned at the time of war. It was women and children also. So this, that is an act of genocide. They were trying to exterminate all and every Penobscot people. And this redskin term just reaffirms that today in 2010. I was just thinking about that as you were talking about the Redskins and, you know, whether or not a school's okay with that. Um, If they understand that history, I wonder if that would make a difference. And um, I'm glad you mentioned the the proclamation. Um, um, And that came down from the British Crown, is that correct? Yeah, Spencer Phipps was lieutenant governor of uh, the Commonwealth of, uh, no, Massachusetts Bay Colony. So it was prior to the United States. And it really wasn't that long ago, if you think about it. Uh, it's like my great-grandmother's great-grandmother's uh, generation that was affected by that um, bounty. It was a generation right before the Americans rose up and, um, you know, declared their independence from Great Britain. Yeah. In fact, it was probably the reason why we sided with uh, the Americans against the British at the time of the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And I think, you know, there's this, uh, also this illusion that, uh, I don't know how we got into scalping, but I guess through the Redskins, um, but there's that, uh, you know, the stereotypical image um, that goes along with Indians, the scalping, and that, in fact, was not a practice here until after the colonists came. Yeah, the Dutch, the, that was a, um, an activity that the Dutch were doing. In fact, there's um, documentation that the Romans were doing it, um, you know, thousands of years ago. They were practicing scalping. So it wasn't anything that, um, you know, some, some argue that it, it was going on here by Native people, um, but it certainly was also going on in uh, Europe also. Yeah, you know, I, I just find it really... I don't know if it's interesting or what it, what I would call it, but, you know, Native people are the only people, I think anyway, that are, we're sort of dehumanized in that particular way, mm-hmm. you know, being used as mascots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, and, and why, I mean, I, I don't, I can't figure that one out. I mean, maybe it's because, because if we're not human, if they don't look at us as being human beings, they can marginalize the fact that they basically stole our land and our resources. So it doesn't matter because, you know, mm-hmm. we took it away from subhumans or, or unhuman people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, many, many have made that argument. Exactly. Yeah. 
that if they could somehow marginalize us and dehumanize us, then it's a suppression of white guilt. Yeah. But the uh, I think the big the big differences is you know they're not on on African you know they're not on African land the, the majority culture I mean the majority culture is on native land you know on our and and taking our resources and, I, and maybe that's why you know they don't want to recognize that uh, we have a caller could you give us your uh, first name and where you're from Hi I'm Jamie I'm from Union Hi Jamie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, you guys said a minute ago that, you know, no one else has been dehumanized by being a mascot. What about, you know, I'm not a sports guy, I'm not native either, but um, what about, like, the, uh, the um, you know, the Vikings and the Cowboys and all this sort of thing? And, you know, I think people know that, you know, Vikings and Cowboys are pretty evil. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just I think we're making a big fuss about about not a lot. So uh, with that, I'll ring off and uh, see what you get to say. Thanks. All right, Jamie. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is Vikings and cowboys aren't a race of people. And um, I don't know, maybe if the Vikings were around today, they might complain. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. uh, He forgot one. He forgot the the Notre Dame fighting Irish. He's the Irish. Because, you know, this this is always the argument. You know, why are you Indians always making such a big deal? Yeah. Because it's harmful. As we, I mean, has, Jamie, have you been listening to the program? Um, you know, if, um, and I'm sure if the cowboys, any cowboy out there had a fence with, with this, it would be dealt with, you know, being called a cowboy. But that seems to be a little more respectful image of a cowboy than what we're relegated to have images of who we are as people. Or maybe it's the paradox that, that's going on here. You know, they're using uh, Indians as mascots, um, claiming that it's an honorable thing to do, but then the treatment of of the Indians and the history of Native Americans in this country is not honorable. Right, and the original, the original land is, doesn't belong, didn't belong to the Vikings. Didn't belong to the cowboys. No, belongs to the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's and, and we're still here and and uh, and we're here on mass basically. And and when when we get dehumanized by uh, by a, a mascot like Chief Wahoo, you know, uh, that really affects uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tribal people, a lot of native people, and. Uh, it's, it is. It, it, it destroys our, uh, our self-respect and our self-image. And also, what happens when that student, say a Native student goes to a school, Penobscot, for instance, and the team who's playing against, they say, the Indians, puts an effigy of an Indian up on the rafters and hanging from the rafters and a noose and on the chest of it says, scalp the Indian. Mm-hmm. Now, Margaret, well, that's just school spirit. Well, where I went to high school, they did just that. You know, when they played Old Town, that's what they would do, scalp the Indians. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to WERU, Wabanaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Our topic today is, is uh, mascots. And uh, if you have questions or comments, you can call 1-866-625-9378. Uh, so... 
We have a we have a caller on the line. Would you please give us your name and where are you from? Hi, it's Jamie again. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't support uh, violent rhetoric um, at uh, at games. You know, I mean, scalp the Indians obviously not cool or scalp anybody. Um, but I mean, you know, a mascot is um, someone everyone wants to root for, uh, and uh, you know, no one roots for the giant. Everyone roots for the underdog. I don't really see the issue. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be the underdog? Why would you want to be the Vikings? Uh, well, with that, I'll sign off. Thanks. <laughs> well, first of all, the Vikings and the and the uh, the Cowboys, and when they're used in that in that way, they they're non-human. And uh, as to whether people are rooting for that non-human symbol or not, that's that's not the point. The point is that we are human and that uh, we real you know we want to be respected as human any comments uh, james no you uh, that's you're right on okay uh, i do i remember at one time when i was a legislature i got a call from they were celebrating the uh i think it was the centennial they were commemorating the sagatahawk bridge the building of that bridge, and I got a call from a uh, an artist who was uh, designing the coin for that celebration, and he he asked me. He said, uh, "What do you think of putting a, a an Indian head or Indian symbol on that coin?" And he, he said, "You know, we mean it in to honor Native people." And I said, "Well, okay." Uh, and he said, and by the way, he said, I am a, a Micmac and I'm an artist. And I said, well, you know, the, the problem with native imagery, or when you put a, a native, you know, person in headdress or whatever, it's that a lot of times it's not a person. If it was, if you looked in the history books and you found uh, Chief uh, Joseph Orono or one of the past uh, Passamaquoddy chiefs or the uh, Penobscot chief, and you put the image on the coin and put a name to the image, I said that would be considered respectful. And that's what they did. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that if, if we had more of that, it, it may... Who did they use? They used uh, Chief Joseph Francis. Not James. Not James Francis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, well, the um, the panel on Saturday was um, just to give you kind of a makeup. We had um, Brian Reynolds from the Mal Seats spoke. Uh, Rick Philip Doyle from the Pasquale Tribe at uh, Pleasant Point. Um, Wayne Newell <clears throat> wrapped the day up and he spoke. John D. from Bucker Crawl was the moderator. <clears throat> Michelle Bernard and then Tanya Francis was the that was the Native American panel, and Ed Rice was there to share letters with people who could couldn't be there. Then the second part was journalists. <clears throat> there were two journalists in particular: the Wormwood guy, who has been very active in trying to get rid of um, <clears throat> the Redskins at Sanford, his high school where he went to high school there um, a couple decades ago. In fact, it was interesting, him and um, Michelle Bernard had gone there at the same time. And then um, 
another journalist who has refused, he's a sports journalist, he has refused to use the term redskin. He will type out Penobscot to the editor's dislike sometimes, um, but he will not use the term redskin at all. You know, that kind of reminds me, James. Uh, I remember uh, when Janine Gutman was the uh, editor. I think she's the editor, but does she she was the head of the uh, Portland Press-Herald, and she did a, a an article, lo- a long article, about how offensive uh, the Redskin name was, and that she promised that her paper would not use the term Redskin in any of its uh, sports coverages. And... I'm not sure if if that journalist you're mentioning came from that paper or yes, was he did. that paper. Ah. Yeah, and he also did say that that's not a practice they still implement, that they've gone back to using. I thought so. To using it once and only once, you know, because of Washington's a very long name, you know, and so so they've started using it once and only once. But yes, that's the same paper that this gentleman's from. The third part of the panel was uh, educators, and um, I believe that uh, Miss Neto from Nicomas High School was the only uh, representative in that category. However, um, Ed Rice did read several letters from schools like Sanford High School that, uh, you know. Well, who was the letter from, from, from Sanford? Was it from the principal? It or? was. It was from the principal. And it was um, well-written, and it was um, something that sounded promising, as, as I mentioned earlier, that the civil rights team is working on educating the rest of the students, which I found really interesting because I had a phone call from someone from that school um, recently in the past few months um, where this person had told me that the school was resistant about educating about what the term redskin meant. So, but the letter did say that, that that's what they were working towards. Hmm. Was there anything from uh, um, Wiss Cassett? I can't remember. To be honest, I can't remember if Wiss Cassett weighed in or not. Now, the name of their team is... It's the Redskins. The Redskins. Also. Okay, that's yeah. what I. That's what I. Thought. You know, but I think the you know we're we're making these strides here in Maine, and and this this needs needs to be said that you know the schools like Scarborough who changed from the Redskins to I believe the Red Storm, Old Town who went from the Indians to the Coyotes. These schools need to be commended. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. it it wasn't without a lot of protest. Mm-hmm that these schools did the right thing. And, you know, some people think Old Town is an old town, but, you know, I think that places like Wiscasset and Sanford, you know, need to look at the fact that we're in 2010 today and that, um, you know, this just isn't okay anymore. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, what's your thought on professional teams like the uh, Washington Redskins? I think of all of the the sports names, that that's probably the most blatant and most offensive name. Well, it is. And, you know, as, as I've already defined what Redskin means, and, 
you know, a lot of people's arguments, well, I see some native people with the Redskins hat on, you know, it must be okay. Well, no, it's not okay. You know, and um, it's it's all about money, especially when you get to that level. You know, what uh, Tandy Francis talked about was the um, Cleveland Indians and how they have trademarked in the early 1970s not only Chief Wahoo, but the term Indian. They own the term Indian and has gone so far as to be known as a quote-unquote tribe, Mm -hmm. Um, like the the Mohicans and um, a few other quote-unquote tribes. So, you know, they've gone to great lengths to protect and to keep this, these images, you know, it was back in what, 2004, I believe, that the NCAA ruled that no college team could have post-season uh, you know, playoff games if they had a mascot that was, you know, deemed offensive. Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, the other morning, um, it was a couple weeks ago, uh, they were talking about a, 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 a poll that was taken on the different teams, baseball teams, and uh, the most hated, I guess. What was the most hated? And uh, in it, in it, you know, it, it, it was. It had to do with their uniforms and their logos and the t- the team players and that sort of thing. And the number one hated team, and they said, and you're going to be surprised with this. They said the number one hated team in professional baseball is the Cleveland Indians. Not the Yankees? Not the Yankees, <laughs> because we're also talking about logos here, too. Wow. So well, that's a survey that made its way to Indian country then, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I was sort of blown away by that that uh, poll, and I thought, gee, I, I'd like to know what exactly what the questions were on that poll. Mm. You know? You know, one thing interesting about the NCAA ruling and uh, something that precipitated from that, it was... Uh, the Florida State Seminoles case, mm-hmm. in that the tribe, the Florida State tribe of Indians, um, came forward and said, whoa, you know, we, we don't mind that they're using this. In fact, um, they, they're they a very business-savvy tribe down there in um, south-central Florida, mm-hmm. and that's a branding opportunity for them to have their name out there. And because it is the Seminoles, because that is their name, they have the sovereign right to have their name out there on a sports team. It's their right, sovereignty. So, you know, that's an interesting case um, there. But, you know, when you have these kind of general terms like Indian and, you know, Redskin, um, you know, the offensive term, that's, that's a different case. You can't pinpoint, um, you know, what what tribe that belongs to. You know, what always strikes me in these discussions and various uh, forums that I've been in is how passionate people get when they get talking about um, the mascot issue and whether or not it should be changed, especially those people. Uh, For example, you know, I know a lot of Old Town alumni had a big problem with changing it because that was their tradition. Um, And as the caller earlier said, you know, he thinks we're making a whole big deal out of nothing. But uh, it, 
I guess I'm, I'm trying to look at it in a reverse way. You know, if it's a big deal over nothing, then there should be no big deal and change into something else as well. It should be, uh, you know, just as easy. But it doesn't seem to be the case, you know. I, I was in a university course in 2004, and it was based on James Lowen's book, Lies My Teachers Told Me, and um, we were learning the history of the term redskin. Uh, we were talking about mascot issues, and um, boy, it was an online course, and boy, didn't things get heated. People, you know, are very, very passionate and opinionated about keeping things as they are maintaining the status quo. Right. And you would think that uh, that it would be an easy thing to, if you're hurting somebody, it's sort of like the, the offensive names bill that Donald and I fought so hard for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question was, you know, um, if you're hurting people with this name, then change it. You know, what's, what's the big deal? Change the name. Uh, but I guess the bottom line in a capitalist society <laughs> is money. So, you know, if, if the name is a known name and the logo is a known logo and it's bringing in all kinds of money, and, and as you said, uh, James, with the Seminole situation, it's just not, it's just not the majority culture that, that you know, says it's, it's okay for this, uh, this particular tribe and maybe others, you know, have sort of said, okay, you know, use the name. For the for the branding purposes, uh, but those are uh, those are the rare instances, I think. But in in instances where it's hurting people and dehumanizing people, I think that's where we should get serious, and that's when they should change their logos and their names. It, it, it's very telling that a lot of times when this issue is brought up, one of the retorts. And one of the arguments is, oh, well, what are we going to have PETA coming out now and saying that, oh, we got to get rid of all the animals that are mascots? And I find it interesting that they're so quick now to compare Native Americans with animals. Oh, what do you mean now? They've always, I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> they've always done that. <laughs> I mean, I think it came up on that, that 2020 thing when it you did. were talking about the... Um, you know, offensive place names. That yeah. oh, what are we going to start changing? You know, fish kill. Yeah, with the John Stossel. And, yeah. You know, and I told John Stossel when he started bringing up those the animals. I said, look, it offends me that you compare us to animals. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, but you know what? That got left in that interview. That right. piece got left in there. Hmm. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Uh, could you give us your first name and where you're from? Hi, my name's Lori. And I'm from Indian Island. Oh, hi, Lori. Hi. Um, I'm calling in response to Jamie and the last caller behind him mm-hmm. that um, wonders what the big deal about mascots is. Yep. Well, my thing is, it is a big deal, and you really wouldn't know that unless you were an Indian. Um, there's no way he could really understand what Indians feel like, um, and, and not just the mascot thing, but by, say, people on the other side of the bridge or uh, school officials. Um, it, it just really bugs me when I hear people call up and say, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. You know, when you've lived with um, 
people have tried to make you feel shame because you're an Indian. And then I, I just had to call in and, and respond to that. Well, we appreciate you calling in, and I think it helps people that are listening to understand, too, from a, from a Native perspective, what this does to people. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Okay. Thank you. I, I agree totally with Lori. As a matter of fact, when we were driving down here uh, today, I talked about the, um, the school board meeting that Old Town had when it was making its decision to change, uh, whether or not to change the mascot. And, you know, people upon people approached the microphone and, and either one way or the other, either for or against the mascot. And one thing that I noticed was the young kids from the high school coming up and saying, um, you know, there's no racism here. I've never seen any racism in our halls. And um, it struck me, just like Lori said, how would they know? If they're not the victims of it, then they're probably not going to notice it. Um, so it's pretty easy to to not notice if if it's not directed towards you or you're not the victim of it. That's yeah. not to say that it doesn't exist. Yeah, the thing about the Old Town mascot, and, and, I, and I think it's proximity to the tribe, got us at Old Town to this point where it became a closet mascot. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't somebody bouncing around at halftime, you know, with their bow and arrow and feathered headdress moccasins on because people from the tribe spoke out and said, hey, that isn't okay, you know, years ago. And so what happened over time, they started removing the images of Indians. They stopped doing the mascot thing, and it just became a name. And when Old Town was looking to generate some school spirit for their athletic programs, they wanted to either go all the way and reinstitute the Indian and have all those things with the tribe's help or just do away with it and start fresh. And so, and and that's what they did. They, you know, started fresh, and it was with the consultation with the tribe, which is, you know, I think an important step for them. But also, I, I need to just interject here. Um, it almost kind of made me nervous when the call came from Indian Island because um, even my own brother was like, oh, why did they change the mascot? You know, so it isn't an Indian, non-Indian issue here. It really isn't. There are some Native people who think, hey, they're honoring us. Um, and oftentimes, that's what the other side will use. Oh, well, hey, you know, he thinks it's okay. Um, but it isn't okay. You know, it, and that, that needs, people need to understand just because there's one Native American out there who thinks it's okay doesn't make it okay for all Native Americans. Yeah, and, and on the other side of the coin, I, I think that if it hurts just one person, it should be changed. Yes. So, and, and this, this word racism, I mean, <laughs> in the state of Maine, racism is uh, sort of like a red, f- red flag word. It's like, uh, we're not racist in the state. And, <laughs> and I, I think I happened to use that word once in the hallways of the legislature in a little crowd with a reporter from the Portland Press Herald there. And the next day, it, was, it made headlines. You know, and I'm like, I've been here for all these years, and I've said all these things, and I use the one word racism, and I finally make the headlines in Portland Press Herald. <laughs> so yeah, the point was made on Saturday at the symposium that, you know, it may, it, it has a lot to do with power. 
that we don't have the choice as Native people to change these mascots. It's those people in those positions of power in those school districts who ultimately have the power to do the right thing in choosing through prejudice or what other means to not take that power to change something that's hurting someone is considered racism. You know, it's that prejudice plus power. That is racism. And so, you know, when people say, oh, whoa, that, you know, racism? You know, really? Uh, yeah, really. And so that's what people really need to, and also remember that racism isn't a Native problem. It's a, it's a non-Native problem, especially racism towards Native people. It's, it's the people who are racist. It's their problem and theirs to fix not Indian people. Right, because Indian people are the minority, and it's the majority that have the power mm -hmm. that can be defined as racist. Maria, you had a comment over there? Just nodding my head in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget, I'm on the radio, I can't nod my head. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and the other thing, too, that sort of... Uh, comes to my mind is the uh, the latest uh, team that changed their uh, their mascot name was uh, the Fighting Sioux, right? Right, just recently. And they just changed that, and, and I think that uh, there again, there was uh, some tribal members like the like the uh, the team to have that name, and others didn't. I think there was t two different uh, reservations that were sort of arguing over that. I'm not real familiar with that issue, but I did read recently, probably a month ago, yep. that they did change. Yeah, and I think that was a, uh, they got tired of being left out of the tournaments. So that was oh, yeah. a, uh, a, you know, a, a higher up sort of decision, and uh, they didn't, they didn't wait for the for the tribes to uh, to vote on it. They just went ahead and said, okay, let, you know, we've waited too long, and uh, we're changing the name. So that's you know. I think that's a good thing. We're certainly progressing. And I just want to take this opportunity to really give kudos to um, Ed Rice, you know, um, for his demeanor on Saturday, because sometimes Ed can get very passionate about these issues. And um, he was very, very, um, I guess, well-behaved, I guess, and um, which made the symposium go very uh, well, um, but also his dedication to the subject, countless letters to the schools, compiling a list of schools that used to have the name, the ones that changed, and, you know, what got printed in paper as holdouts, those that still have the name. So, you know, I just wanted to give, you know, kudos to Ed and for all his hard work on this subject and pulling together that symposium on Saturday. Yeah, I think Ed has done a lot, and I mean a great deal. He's, you know, when he uh, wrote the book on Lewis Sock Alexis and, and uh, Lewis's cousin, uh, Andrew Sock Alexis, when he wrote those books, I, I think he, he was, uh, he got into the, the spirit of, of, uh, of these guys and, uh, and, and into the fact that, uh, you know, as, as tribes, and, and you know, they're, they're from tribes, and they've done all of this, uh, they've made all these accomplishments, and, and yet they're sort of uh, marginalized, I guess, by 
by the, the mascot issue and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and Ed really, he took it to heart and he ran with it. And I have to say, uh, he's starting to, to punch holes, I guess. So good for Ed. And, and, uh, and, and uh, if you ever listen to this program, we want to thank you. Thanks, uh, Ed. Yeah. Uh, there's a caller on the line. Could you tell us your name and where you're from? Uh, my name's Doug from Blue Hill. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, I used to like to go to um, to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and listen to the Indian speakers down there around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I made the mistake of wearing my wrestling jacket, and the wrestling jacket had had warriors emblem on it. I remember getting some pretty bad kind of reverse racism from. I remember this one fella came up behind me and kind of countered my coup and stuff. And I think um, I think that kind of hung around me because every time I wanted to hang out with those guys, um, I think they remembered me. <laughs> but Did the experience change story. how you feel about the logo, the mascot? Pardon? Did the experience change how you felt about the mascot? Yeah, it kind of made me feel like maybe it wasn't really necessary to have that mascot. It was the Lincoln Sudbury Warriors, and it really had to do with, well, if you study Sudbury, Massachusetts, or that area, it was the King Philip Wars back mm-hmm. in a long time ago, and, <clears throat> and there was a lot, of, a lot of pain and death associated with those wars. Right. There was also a, um, I think a, a group of of white warriors that got wiped out, very similar to the Custer battle, but you never hear about that in the history books. But um, that happened in Sudbury, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. But I just thought I'd relay that. I, I don't know why. It's okay. Well, we, we appreciate it. Thank you for calling. Yeah, and you know, there's always there's always the right way to do things and the wrong way. I mean, treating him because he's wearing a jacket, he's he's a victim. I mean, he went to the high school, he had school pride in that, and you know, for people to treat him like that, that that isn't the approach that should be taken. You know, I'm sure that was some years ago, but um, you know, today it's it's with the the pen rather than the sword, and, and to, you know, the airways on in in this case to educate people about it and, you know, not spear somebody in the back or, you know, treat them wrong because they're wearing, you know, their school letter jacket. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the uh, the educational aspect uh, really needs to be emphasized here for, for changing mascots in the future. Uh, last words? Anyone? Maria? Um, I think it's been a great discussion and... Um Thanks, James, for for taking time out from your beautiful day in Bar Harbor. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. Talk to you folks later. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Donna Loring, and you've been listening to Wabanaki Windows. The music for our show is by Rolf Richter, a track called Little Eagles from his new CD, Dreamwalk. I want to thank my co-host, Maria Gerard and James Francis both of the uh, Penobscot Nation, and our engineer, Amy Brown. 
Please join us next month for another Webinaki Windows.